Hello and welcome to this other special edition of the Green Pole podcast. This time is View from the Opposition. I've been been brought with uh, Sam Redgate-Large of uh, Chelsea supporter section of the uh, of this side of South West London. So some people may not even listen to this one, Sam. So how are you doing this evening? I'm all right. I'm more than happy if no one listens to me. That is what usually happens when I do this kind of thing. So that's absolutely <laughs> fine. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. But uh, on that, like for, for Fulham fans, this is a big game in the Premier League calendar. It's one we look forward to. Uh, does it have a derby view from your side of town or is it just another game for supporters of maybe the luckier side? Yeah, well, it's one of those really that kind of just sort of, like because it is a London derby and obviously we play on Fulham Road, everyone always goes, well, it is a derby, but it's like the little brother derby. It's one of those where it just sort of comes around and you're like, oh, well, it's there. And you obviously want to win it like every other derby, but it doesn't it doesn't hit as hard as obviously the likes of Tottenham and Arsenal because realistically, well, at the moment we're not competing for different things considering looking at the table, but usually <laughs> we are competing for much different things. And um and of course, you now have that added extra thing of you do have Willian as well, who is known as a, a cult Chelsea legend, I'm going to say. Don't get me talking about Willian because I'm not his biggest fan. But um, yeah, uh, it's one of those, I think, at the moment, really, um, where you sort of sit there and you're like, you sort of acknowledge the fact that Fulham are there and obviously they've done so well to come back up again and they look like they're in a much better position than they have been in previous years. But you're not going to, it's not going to keep you up at night if it like in the days up to it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, talking from the the white side of uh, these parts of London, it'll definitely <laughs> probably mean a lot more. The 90 minutes and uh, the, a loss will hurt a lot more than it will Chelsea fans, I imagine. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, to be fair, it looks like at the moment as well that you guys are in, we've almost c- come in contrasting form, really, haven't we? You guys look like you're on the up and we look like we're on the way down. So we might be um, sort of meeting in that nice middle ground where we are at the moment in mid-table and it might it might end up being one of the most competitive derbies we see uh, in terms of a London derby this season. Well, that's definitely the, uh, the fault of uh, at least myself. I don't want to speak for the entire Fulham fan base, but this feels like the most winnable game against, uh, against your guys who've played for a long, long time. Mm. Um, so how do you feel about sort of Chelsea's window and, and your start to the season so far? Because it's not quite gone to plan. Yeah, um, that's probably the nice way to put it. Not quite gone to plan. Um, starting off just with, we'll start off with the window because obviously chronologically, I guess that kind of makes sense because uh, over the course of the window, you look at some of the signings we've made and we have made and we've spent, uh, we've made big signings and we've spent a lot of money. And so you expect Chelsea to hit the ground running and it just hasn't happened like that. I'm impressed with the fact that we've managed to get Sterling away from Manchester City. But then it begs that question, doesn't it? Why was Pep so willing to let Raheem Sterling go? And we've seen him for England. We've seen him for, obviously, Manchester City and previously Liverpool as well, the talent that he does have. But why is Pep that willing to let him go? And, of course, Tuchel has toyed with playing him as a number nine, which or a false nine, should I say, which doesn't doesn't you know scream very much um, excitement to me personally um but where the excitement does come in is when you look at those defensive reinforcements you look at Wesley Fofana of course we nearly got ourselves priced out of that move but Kula Bali and Kukurea themselves 
those two look like two really, really good um, signings for Chelsea. And I've been impressed with those. And um, I'm hoping they strike fear into a few opposing fans. I don't know if that's the same for you, Frankie, but that's what I'm hoping. Uh, I mean, Kukureo was one that impressed me. I really liked him at Brighton. Really attacking wing back. I don't think we've quite seen that at Chelsea yet, but he's putting some mm. solid, solid looking performances. But I'm looking, I'm really interested to see how he and Chilwell integrate into an 11 together with Reese James on the other side. Uh, yeah. but I, I mean, on Reese James, he's signed a six year contract today, I believe. Uh, yeah. To me, outside looking in, he seems like your key player going forward. And it's been a bit bizarre to see him in that right <laughs> centre back role. Um, he's your best attacking player. Let's play him as part of a back three. Um, so mm. yeah, what, talk to me about Reese James a bit and, and how he sort of those wing backs are going to really affect this game on Saturday. Yeah, the wing backs. I think they are in Chelsea's team. They are the most important part. Um, we saw it last season, didn't we? If we cast our minds back to when Ben Chilwell and Reese James got injured, Chelsea went from competing against Manchester City, having that 1-0 loss, I think, at the Etihad, um, to all of a sudden kind of not like being rubbish, because I'm aware there's a lot of teams that are in a lot worse positions. But for Chelsea and the standard that they set, um, I think for the first 10 game weeks, Chelsea were the team to beat. They were the team leading the line. And that all coincided with those injuries to Ben Chilwell and uh, Reese James, of course, as we mentioned earlier, Kukurea will now come in and he'll be able to offer a little bit more options, defensive strength at that fullback role. But for me, Reese James has been probably the standout player of particularly the last season, the start of this season as well. He seems to be the one who is who's keeping that performance level. And whilst it has been a difficult start to life this season for Chelsea, Rhys James is definitely someone who's, number one, deserved that um, deserved that contract extension, but also he's someone who we can rely on. And we know that the way Rhys James plays. He's very quick. He's very strong. Um, he's fantastic defensively, despite um, a few... Questionable tackles. I'm more thinking about the one in the <laughs> game between uh, Hungary and England, uh, where where he brought the man down for no reason, even though it was a light <laughs> penalty. I'm, I'm not going to get on that mole hill again. Otherwise, I'm going to I'm going to die on that mole hill. I tell you what. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a fantastic defender, and I genuinely cannot think at the moment, particularly of too many better fullbacks in the world. Of course, the comparison with Trent is always there, and I always think with those two. It's one of those where you can't really compare them because they play in different setups and Trent doesn't need to quite be as good defensively as Reese James does because, unfortunately, particularly over the last season, Chelsea were playing Malang Sarr, Trevor Chalobah, who were good players in their own right, but Reese James needs to be able to be defensively strong and especially if he's got, say, Cesar Aspilicueta behind him, you can't let someone um, get in behind, potentially like a Bobby Decordova Reed or someone like that. You can't let them get in behind because they will just take advantage of that space and particularly against someone who is as slow. But like I say, I've been really impressed with Reese James and he seems to have just like adapted so quickly to anything that's been thrown at him. He spoke, uh, like you say, about him playing at that right centre-back role. And whilst it isn't his best position... How good an option is that? Just to think from an England perspective, how good an option is that to be able to go, actually, if Gareth Southgate stays with that five at the back, that we could play Reese James in that right centre-half role 
and then play Trent Alexander-Arnold, which would counteract the poor defending of Trent, but also allow you to play Reese James. I'm, ju- I'm just throwing this out here. I'm, I'm taking Gareth's job at the end of this. <laughs> and, uh, it's, now. it's an excellent point. I mean, we've seen Carl Walker in, in tournaments play that right centre-half role, and I'm sure Southgate will go back to a free free man defence when it does come to World Cup time. So why not? Why not try it? Uh, it's, yeah. be, it's a pair of bloody good deliveries on that right hand side you don't give them an oh. inch of space to cross oh my God. yeah imagine if you had James Ward Proust as well from that central <laughs> imagine if you had that blimey blimey yeah but like I say in that Chelsea setup you know what you're going to get from um, Reese James he likes to go up and down that uh, right hand side particularly works well uh, with Mason Mount who I'm a big fan of I know gets a lot of stick as well Mason Mount is another one of those players who I think people think he wanders in and out of the game, but I, particularly the last couple of seasons, his best asset has been that defensive working. And when he was under Lampard, that's what really made him really made him shine. And that right-hand side for Chelsea is probably the strongest part on the pitch for Chelsea. And to be honest, I, I, I would hate to be a fullback coming up against anyone on that right-hand side for Chelsea, because if you've got Reese James in there and Mason Mount, then you know they're going to cause you a few problems. Uh, I mean, yeah, get best of luck to I mean, we had an injury to Anthony Robinson on Saturday, just gone. And he's had an excellent season so far. So best of luck to whoever's ended up playing in that left-back role. Um, what's gone wrong for Chelsea this season? What's missing from the eleven? Because the performances are not as quite as imposing as they were. They seem to be very controlled, but not yeah. dominant. Uh, what's missing? Is it simply a striker and you're waiting for Aubameyang to come in? Is it something else? Uh, is it in the midfield? Mm. From your viewpoint, what do you think is going wrong? What needs to change uh, for Chelsea to start progressing and gain a bit more points and a bit more, a bit of the fear factor back into that Chelsea side? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean about the fear factor. It, it has kind of dropped out, particularly um, this season. The one thing that I have been sort of ranting on about, and if you know, if anyone knows me, they will know that this is the one thing I've been shouting and screaming home about all all of the last season since Chelsea lost to, I don't know if you can remember, Chelsea lost to West Ham last season. It was a cracker of a game, but it was unfortunately 3-2 to um, West Ham. Mason Mount scored a fantastic goal in there. Just thought I'd throw it <laughs> out there. Um, but it was 3-2. And at that moment, I was looking at this Chelsea side and going, this Chelsea side isn't motivated enough. And I think everything you look at for Chelsea now, I think as well as as good as it was for Chelsea to win the Champions League, I think a lot of this Chelsea side won the Champions League too soon because the way that I see it is Chelsea's attitude over the last few seasons has been really, really poor, particularly like the first six months under Tuchel, phenomenal you had the likes of Werner who were working so hard and people like that who were just working hard for the team because you've got a new manager in that's what you're going to do but we won the Champions League and we came back and we had that good run um like I say at the beginning of the season we were the team to chase and then when things started going badly Chelsea they just they just didn't put their ideas up And that was the thing that really struck a chord for me most in that West Ham game all those months back. And it even happened against Leeds. It happened against Tottenham as well. That Chelsea just looked like when they they go a goal down, 
they look like they don't have the composure and the experience to go, actually, we can still win this. Um, I don't know if you watched the Leeds game, but when Chelsea conceded that first goal, of course, Mendy made a mistake. And, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to scream and shout at Edouard Mendy. We've seen lots of keepers make lots of poor mistakes and it's part of it comes with a territory, doesn't it? Yeah. But in that in that game, Chelsea's reaction to going one nil down wasn't right. Let's get the ball down and play the way that we like to play. Get the wing backs in, whip the ball out wide, get the ball into the feet of Raheem Sterling. The way that they decided to react, which ultimately ended up Raheem Sterling giving away a foul, was let's kick the hell and the living daylights out of Leeds for the next five minutes. <laughs> we gave away a foul on the edge of the box and they scored again. And now it's gone from being 1-0 down to 2-0 down. And you're going, all right, now what are we doing? And that is, for me, fundamentally, what the problem has been with Chelsea. And as much as I love Chelsea, and I do think there is a lot of players in there with good attitude, it seems to be this feeling, like you always talk about when it comes to Spurs, you always talk about that Spursy mentality. It feels like Chelsea's getting something like that, particularly under Thomas Tuchel, that there's this mentality around when we go 1-0 down, um, you know, Chelsea not wanting to fight back. And I, like I say, I don't know if that comes from the Champions League. And I don't know if, you know, yourself, if you can see that from the outside, if you see the same thing, or if it's me, you know, watching every single game for the past two seasons, just picking up on minor things that no one else can tell. But that seems to be the main thing. And then, of course, I, I, can't, I can't wait to get a proper striker. Um, when Aubameyang comes, that will be that will be nice. I still don't think he's a he's a long term fix. I was kind of expecting us to try and potentially because we've got a buyback clause on Tommy Abraham and uh, next summer transfer window. I was expecting us to try and use that. Um, but like I say, I don't know if I don't know if what that mentality thing. I don't know if other sides of London can see that. Um, but for me, it's just one of those which is just completely obvious that we switch off every time we score. Yeah, so it's interesting you you do say that. I think it's it's this is where it's good to get the uh, opposite fans' opinions. If we was just three uh, of Fulham supporters here, I don't think we'd have brought that up as as a thing to look out for. Uh, but mm. it's certainly something that'll be on my mind on on Saturday. And I think obviously when the it's been the away game, so I think it's been particularly a little fragile mm. when you get the. Uh, when the home fan gets going as well, and on top of you, is it an intimidation factor? Is it not wanting to to fight back against the home fans? I mean, who knows? Who knows? Um, so, with um, with your Champions League game on Tuesday night, um, how do you think that will play into Saturday's fixture? I know it's hard to say. <laughs> Um, but obviously you've got, you're traveling into Croatia tonight. Um, I know, uh, Thiago Silva is staying in London, um, but the whole team's going out of there. Do you think it's an advantage for Fulham? Will it play a factor? Uh, what do you think the team selection will look trying to manage both of these games in the same week? Yeah. So I think it's a different one. I definitely think it sort of evens the playing field a little bit more. Uh, I mean, admittedly the form we're in, we don't need it evening that much more. Otherwise it will all just swing in form's advantage <laughs> at this point. Um, but I do think it will even the playing field. And the thing that Chelsea have been struggling with and the, the gaping obvious hole, other than, as we mentioned earlier, that striker with Aubameyang coming in, obviously he's got a broken jaw. So hopefully he gets back soon is that, Kante got injured, Kovacic was coming back 
from an injury. And then you're reliant on Jorginho. Of course, we just brought in Dennis Sakaria, who can potentially, if if he's fit and Thomas Tuchel thinks he's ready to play, then he might be able to play in the Champions League. And maybe he won't play him against Fulham, um, just because I think... Number one, it's quite a big sort of game to get yourself into with it being a with it being a bit of a derby. Yeah. But also the speed and intensity of the Premier League does take a couple of weeks. We look at the best sort of managers across Europe, Pep Guardiola, um, and of course Jurgen Klopp are the two I'm thinking of off the top of my head, even to some degree. Mikel Arteta, I'm not calling him the best manager in Europe <laughs> before I before I continue. I need to clarify that one. But what they do is they let players integrate. They don't just chuck players in at the deep end. And I think that's what Chelsea have been victim of a little bit. Um, so in terms of tomorrow Tuesday night's fixture against Zagreb I think it I think it'll definitely be on Thomas Tuchel's mind that he needs to try and get the most out of the squad that he's got um Connor Gallagher is he still is he still banned I can't remember when he got banned now was that against Leicester so I think he will be back if I've got that one correct um but Ruben Loftus-Cheek has been the standout of that midfielder, uh, midfielders at the moment. So I imagine Loftus-Cheek will play. He's got the he's got the strength in that midfield. Um, I imagine if it was me, I would rest Jorginho on the fact that I don't know if Kovacic is going to be fully fit at the weekend. And if you play Jorginho in midweek, can you play Jorginho on Saturday morning or Saturday midday? and still get the best out of him? Can you get a 90 minutes out of him in a game where you really need to win it? And I'm not sure if that is the case. Um, but that is one of the big sort of question marks for me. Um, but looking at the defence-wise, defence, we seem we seem to be okay. You sort of look at uh, the bit of rotation. We've still got Trevor Chalaber. Fortunately, he didn't uh, get his move away, which I would have been a little bit annoyed at because I think he's a good player with good potential, even though I did uh, give him a hard time earlier on. But... I think we've got enough talent there to beat it, even with, you know, like Kepper in goal, Aspel Equator coming in at right back, Trevor Chalaba, these other players, Fafana um, coming in over some of these bigger names sort of thing. Um, so I do think we've got enough. But like I say, I feel like it just kind of swings it even more towards Fulham. If you ever wanted a game to win this season against Chelsea, if you ever thought, is there a derby to win this season in London? then I think this is the game. This is the game. Unless Chelsea react and they completely prove me wrong and they react like Liverpool did against Bournemouth, having <laughs> having lost uh, to Manchester United, which I can't see happening. But unless they do that and prove me wrong, I think this is the best opportunity for you guys to, to get yourself a point. I, I, tell, I tell you what, it will be a sombre Craven Cottage if you do what Liverpool did to Bournemouth. <laughs> I tell you what, you, it, if that happens, I, I will take full responsibility for it, and everyone can uh, get annoyed at me. I will take that. You'll never be allowed back, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I'm interested in your opinion. What Fulham will provide this Saturday? Who are you afraid of? And there's a certain Serbian that I'm sure everyone will say this season <laughs> as their first fault. So, yes, have your have your five minutes talking about how you wish Mitrovic was in your start at 11. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but who else? Um, who else is worrying you? Is there anything in particular that you're, you're wary of uh, from this Fulham side on Saturday? 
well, I'm just kind of wary of the the start that you've had so far. Like you you look at some of the fixtures you've had. Obviously, you had that cracking opening day result against Liverpool, where you picked up a draw um, and a win against the Brentford side that absolutely demolished Leeds. So I don't know what the maths works out there, but surely you should absolutely hammer us mm. if uh, you've beaten Brentford, Brentford have beaten Leeds, and we got battered by Leeds. I think, <laughs> I'm not sure that's how football works, but um, surely, surely you should be uh, you should be wanting to do that. But there's a lot of there's a lot of talent in this Fulham side, and I I think it's been credit where credit's due to Fulham this season. And a big talking point, which I always talk about when I talk about Fulham, is when you came up a few seasons ago, you spent like 110 million, didn't you? Yeah. And you made wholesale changes, a lot of which weren't Premier League proven, and as a result, you went straight back down. This season, you've made a lot of changes. Don't get me wrong, but how many of those now are Premier League proven? There's so many more that have come in. Like you've got Burn Leno in goal. What a steal that is. Yeah. That is a quality goalkeeper who's been forced out. Yes, Aaron Ramsdale has been in the form of his life at Arsenal, but that is a quality goalkeeper who you've managed to pick up there and have in your team. Like that, that could be the difference. That really could be the difference, of course, you know, when when you have the likes of Ariola as well, and they were kicking around. These these kind of players can be can be the difference. And we've seen as well Andreas Pereira, of course, formerly of Manchester United. He's come into your squad and he's put in a couple of okay uh, performances, got himself an assist against Brentford. And there's just so many sort of options for you at the moment. And you just seem to have strengthened in the right place. You really seem to have strengthened in the right place. And don't even get me started as well. You've got Marco Silva in charge, another manager who has been proven to do it in the Premier League on, I'm not going to say multiple occasions, but a couple of occasions. Like he did a fantastic job at Hull. And it it really is, it really is a Fulham side that I think can now start to cope with the demands and, you know, you said to talk about the Serbian, so I will talk about the big <laughs> Serbian up front, who I'm still baffled, by the way, that he is only 27. Um, I am baffled by that. He looks like he should be about 35. Um, but that, that's a completely different story. You should have seen it when he was at Newcastle. I, was, I thought he was 35 then, and he's still only <laughs> 27 now. Um, but if, like, he scored himself six, six goals this season. Six yeah. goals. And the last time he came up, he scored three goals. The time before that was 11, which was a decent return. But if you can get him firing like he is at the moment, I cannot see a single reason why this Fulham side doesn't finish 13th or above. Because he is someone who can bully defenders. He can, like the likes of Van Dyke the other day, were having a, they were having a torrid time. They were having having a torrid time against Mitrovic and he's clinical. He knows where the goal is and without, you know, blowing his trumpet too much because I don't want his head to get any bigger because he's already good <laughs> at heading as it is. But he is just an all-round, he's a very good all-round striker and I think we've just been waiting for it, haven't we? We've all been sort of sat there waiting like, when is Mitrovic going to, when's he going to find that form in the Prem? And this season, if he continues as he started, 
then then why why the hell not this season? You know what I mean? Like you look at Chelsea's defense. Chelsea's defense aren't the quickest. Don't get me wrong. Mitrovic isn't you know you saying bolt by any stretch of the imagination, but that plays into his hands that those centre halves of Chelsea are actually thirty five in terms of Thiago Silva, <laughs> and uh, you know they're actually gonna. They're going to go about and uh, they're going to be a bit slower and he might be able to use that physical presence and be able to bully a few players, you know, off the ball and really cause some problems for, for Chelsea and potentially score some goals like he did against Liverpool. It's, and it's really encouraging that you say that. I think from our perspective, we've been pleasantly surprised by how mm. competitive we've been so far this season. I mean, starting mm. the season, hosting... Liverpool, which based on the previous year was the second best the Premier League has to offer and getting a point out of that. And we've kind of grown from there, even in our two recent losses against Arsenal and Tottenham. We were in the game. There were opportunities to get results from those games. And I think that's been Mm. the key thing. And uh, for Mitrovic, he's now in this sort of subhuman (laughs) area where he has this connection with the fans and the club and the team. And everyone seems to be aware that it's Mitrovic's team, but nobody really cares. It's like yeah. after games, it, we're seeing freed from desire. And all the players are loving it as well. They're giving Mitrovic his <laughs> moment. He's, he's genuinely loved and he's happy and he's playing the best football of his life. And he's the happiest yeah. he's ever looked in his life. And that's a dangerous proposition on top of the signings like mm. Leno that you do... Uh, that you mentioned. So I, th- I do think it's going to be a competitive game and I think it is going oh, to be yeah, fine, fine margins. I think uh, this game will come down to. It could be a set piece. It could just be a, a, maybe a couple of Leno saves that changes what a result mm. could and should be. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, what if I had to tell you, right? if I'd ask you right now, what's your score prediction on Saturday? Oh, that is a difficult one because away from home, we've not been very good. I think you alluded to it earlier on that away from home that Chelsea hasn't been quite so good um, yet this season. And uh, from just looking just quickly at at, uh, your form this season, you've actually, you're unbeaten at home so far this season, if I've worked that one out correctly. Yeah. with wins against Brighton, Brentford and a draw against Liverpool, which clearly doesn't bode too well (laughs) for me sat here making my prediction. Um, That being said, I've got, I've got to back Chelsea. It would be, it would be silly of me not to, um, even if I'm not as confident as I was and looking at those sort of those two, one results that you've had, um, those two, one results that you've had against Tottenham. And of course, Arsenal as well. It does put a little bit of that fear factor into you. Um, it would be it'd be easy to say two one, considering your last three results have been two one. But again, I think it would be close. I wouldn't be surprised, particularly as we are away from home. I know it's not really too much away from home, isn't? It's not really like we're having to travel far. <laughs> it's literally down the road. Um, <laughs> but I think I'm going to go with. It's going to be a close one. I don't want to go two one, so I'm going to go two two. I think you're going to, I think you're going to steal a point. I genuinely think you're going to steal a point, and I think it's that attitude thing. If Mitrovic can do uh, what he did against Liverpool and get himself a goal early on, then I think we are really going to be in in trouble, and that is where my worry is. And you know, like I've mentioned, Chelsea they don't seem to have that fight back at the moment. 
And a 2-2 is probably generous towards Chelsea. If I had to go really, really Chelsea biased, I'd then say 2-1 to Chelsea. So, but yeah, that they're my predictions. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm admittedly thinking on similar lines. Uh, 1-1 was what I was thinking in my mind, but I could yeah. quite easily see a, a score draw in general. Um, yeah. I do think you'll be I've, I've, feisty. Yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's fair as well. Like you look at the amount of goals that, like, don't get me wrong, neither of us have. Con- well, Chelsea have conceded quite a few, but neither of us have looked really, really leaky at the back. But we've also like we've looked relatively good going forwards. And you know, it, I'm expecting goals. If there's not goals, then I'm going to be very, very disappointed because <laughs> that's looking at looking at the games we've played between the between the two teams. There's there's got to be some goals coming, surely. Uh, yeah, and I think from the disciplinary records, there's going to be a few cards going as well. It's going to be a feisty game. Obviously, Fulham fans will be right up for this one. It's our first uh, game against you guys since uh, 2018-19 in front of the mm. crowd with the COVID season being our like, previous Premier League year. So I think mm. uh, it's going to be a really good atmosphere at Craven College. I think it's going to be feisty. There's going to be cards and goals. And I think it's going to be a great way to kick off the weekend for a neutral if you're just sitting there watching football for Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with that. And there's so many there's so many good players as well that you can sit and watch. And uh, I've just, I was just looking as well at some of Fulham's transfers just before I came on. And Dan James, that seems like it could be a really sort of clever transfer for, for you guys, especially if you, can get, if you can get the most out of that speed. Like I say, with with Chelsea having slow defenders, if he does play, that could be that could cause problems for that could really cause problems for uh, for our defenders, especially as he's a Leeds player. Clearly, we don't like playing against Leeds players. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, it's an interesting one. Me and Alan actually recorded our transfer review podcast earlier today, and we touched on Dan James. And I mentioned then that um, there was one move we used all the time in the Premier League, and it would—it's a simple like Harry Wilson run off the ball um, mm. in that channel between the the left back and the centre half, and it'd just be a clip ball over the top from either Tossin or Jean Michel Serry would uh, either ping a through ball like hard and fizz low, or another clipped one over the top. Um, but with Harry Wilson being injured uh, since, I mean, previous, at the start of the season, we've not seen a minute out of him yet. Um, it's we've, we've kind of lost that vertical aspect to our play. And I think that's where Dan Jones is going to come in. So I definitely think that's an aspect to watch on, on Saturday because it's going to be the first yeah. time we've had some searing pace back into the team. Yeah, it could be brilliant for, uh, for you guys. And like I said, I do think you've invested really, really well. Um, in terms of with the budget that you guys are on, obviously, I'd like to say that Chelsea have invested well. I'm still not sure on that Aubameyang signing personally, but I'd I'd like to say you've invested well and you've invested in players this time when you've come up that are players that look like they're Premier League proven. As much as I, I don't dislike. Well, I do dislike William. I think he was overrated <laughs> as as hell, but that's a story for another day. Um, but he is relatively Premier League proven and for a side who are looking for a bit of creativity from a top, top player, is he the man to get you that? Potentially. And, you know, Dan James as well, he could thrive under him. Mitrovic could definitely thrive under that free kick and set-piece ability um, from William. 
that could be a real asset to your game, particularly over the course of a season. Um, I don't know what his fitness is like at the moment, William, uh, considering he's just spent the last season in, in Brazil, probably strolling it. Um, <laughs> but it, it really does look like a great game for this weekend. And it could be it could be really just the battle of the transfers, to be fair. Who's, who's transfers at the ground running better? Well, I think we'll, we'll decide quite a lot of this game. Yeah, and I'm conscious of time, but there's one thing I did want to touch on in that I find it interesting this summer that you have spent so much substantial money on clear signings for the future, like Carney. Mm. I'm going to struggle with that surname, I apologise. Carney from Villa. Uh, And uh, Cesare. Is that it? Chukawamenka? Chukawamenka. We'll just call him <laughs> Carney from Villa. Carney, yeah. Carney. Yeah. Uh, him and uh, Cesare Cassaday, again, not sure if that sign it, uh, that, that pronunciation was correct. Uh, Gabriel Slelina as well. So it was a, a lot of signings that are of that very, very young herd. <laughs> aspect yeah. it's not it's not like a Fofana where you're signing an established young player you're, you're banking on potential a little bit with uh, those um so I was wondering what your thoughts are is this part of a wider change within Chelsea are they signings for the f- future or are they going to be loaned out to Fatis again well I mean you sit and you look about uh years gone by don't you and you've got to feel like potentially they're just gonna they're gonna go back out on loan um but the one thing that does kind of strike me with it's all well and good bringing, you know, the three players that you mentioned in, all of which whose last names we're going to struggle with. Um, maybe that was what they were doing. They were just like, we're just going to cause a few problems when it comes to people actually talking about the team names. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> um, but it seems to be a little bit counterproductive that we would bring these players in and then let Billy Gilmore just go from to Brighton. And don't get me wrong, I think that's a fantastic move for for Brighton and for, and of course, for uh, Billy Gilmore as well. But I think that's a little bit counterproductive because Billy Gilmore for me is someone who could take particularly Jorginho's role, very similar style of play. So why not try and mould him into that instead of, you know, bringing in, you know, Carney from, uh, from Aston Villa and um, Cassady from, from Inter as well. And it's, it's like, why would you bring? I don't understand why you would bring these players in if you're going to move Billy Gilmore on. Considering Billy Gilmore, we saw him um, when was it? It was a few seasons ago now, maybe two seasons ago in the EFL Cup. Come on, boss the midfield against the likes of Fabinho. There's clearly talent there. So I do think there is a, I think they're using them in potentially in a similar way to what they've used in the past. But I do think there is more of an emphasis on trying to get that youth through because I think Thomas Ducal is very aware that the main players in this Chelsea side are ageing players. You take out the full-backs and Mason Mount, they are ageing players, um, particularly. Uh, if we were to think about what the potential starting eleven would be, the three up front on a normal day would probably be... Um, Sterling with um, Aubameyang and Mount. Obviously, Sterling now is late 20s, so you may be going to get four or five more seasons out of him. But are we bringing in... Is bringing in Sterling at the detriment to other players? Like, we've got Christian Pulisic, who's 23 years of age. Why why aren't we trying to get the best out of him? I know he's not been fantastic since his uh, debut season, and post-lockdown, Christian Pulisic was absolutely insane. But why aren't we doing that? And that is my one question when 
we're buying these young players and these young talents. Are, are, they, are we going to have another case of a Kevin De Bruyne where Chuka Wamenka or whatever you want to call him, Carney, is, <laughs> is going to go out on loan? They're going to go, yeah, all right, we'll buy him from, from the loan. And then in five years' time, we're going to come back. And the person that we bought for a few million is going to be stood there winning Premier League after Premier League. Not quite a Champions League, but Premier League after Premier League. Like, that, that, is, that is my question. And I, I'd like to hope that there is going to be more em- emphasis on youth. Uh, there we go. A little bit tongue-tied <laughs> there. Um, but... I just, I just can't see it being the same. Maybe, maybe it's something that the new owners will bring in, though. You know, that was the Abramovich era. Maybe I'm being a little bit naive, not giving them enough credit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sam, I appreciate you uh, coming on. You've uh, we've spoken a lot. Uh, I think we've both decided it's going to be an entertaining game at Craven Cottage on, uh, on on Saturday. It's going to be a feisty affair. It's going to be a score draw, as we've both predicted. So we'll both <laughs> yep, walk away happy draw. on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's the that, that'll be the fun thing, won't it? When we're, we're all just sat there. Well, well, at least we didn't lose. That'll be the uh, <laughs> that'll be the ethos, I think. Yeah, I enjoy it. Well, I really appreciate speaking to you, Sam. I appreciate your time to to, uh, took this. I enjoyed it. I think a lot of Fulham supporters will as well. Uh, And obviously, ping ping it around all your Chelsea lot. We could do some some more listeners. So, um, yeah, I appreciate it. This has been the uh, Green Pole podcast uh, with Sam. Thank you very much. And we will uh, see you on the next pod.